Hey everybody, Jay Helms here from HelmsREI.com. Last week I was joined by Tim Kelly from the Navy, David Perry from the Marines, Shelly Osmond from the Army, and Patrick Daniel from the Navy to join part in this conversation about the best job for a real estate investor. Uh, they have me convinced that as serving in the military, uh, so these veteran and active duty military servicemen and women are going to let you know how they do it, some strategies they focus on, and basically, just so you know, they're killing it when it comes to real estate investing and being successful at their W-2 job. So without further ado, let's get to work. W-2 Capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Hey everybody, this is Jay Helms and this is another version of the best job for a real estate investor to have. Today I'm super excited to be joined by four of my heroes uh, who serve in the military and do a job that I definitely didn't sign up to do. So I appreciate y'all. I actually got on my U.S. shirt here today for, for y'all. So um, my wife approves. So it's, it's fine. So want to go around and do some quick introductions. I'm joined by Tim Kelly, Patrick Daniel, David Hip Hip Hooray, and Shelby Osborne. Uh, I want to do, let them introduce themselves and how they are not only excelling at their W-2 job, which in this case is, is being a part and serving in the military. Shelby is the only uh, caveat to that rule because she has actually served her time and then got out and, and pursued real estate investing um, as a, as a realtor and as a, still as an investor. So we're going to get into that a little bit, but we're going to talk to these guys, get to know them and get to know why, uh, serving in the military is the best job for a real estate investor. So I'm going to start off by just calling on you guys one by one and I'm going to go around the circle as it's presented here, but I'm going to start at the bottom. So Patrick, you're up first, man. Tell us, um, what your, uh, intro to uh, real estate investing, your, your branch in the military, how long you've served, what your current job is in the military and a little bit about your experience in real estate investing. Okay, great. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm a uh, Patrick Daniel. Um, I'm active duty Navy. I've been in nearly seven years. I'm actually going to be separating here in a couple months. Uh, so I'm going to be staying in the Pensacola area and continuing to invest in real estate. Um, background in real estate investing. Prior to joining the military, I worked in property management. Uh, the company I worked for, we managed about 250 multifamily units, a few single family as well. Um, bought, a, bought a house and was a long distance landlord uh, while I was over in uh, Virginia and Spain. Sold the house over there and my wife and I have been flipping uh, houses ever since. Awesome. So you're, you've been in the Navy for seven years. What is your, your current job with the Navy? I know you do something with cybersecurity, but I don't know. Cybersecurity. Yeah, I'm a uh, computer network defense manager. So okay. I basically run teams of cybersecurity. We do uh, network audits and stuff like that. Okay. Awesome. Uh, David, I'm going to go to you next. Totally going not around the circle. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm skipping around. <laughs> hey, so I'm Dave, David, uh, 
been in the Marine Corps for 10 and some change. So in that time, I've gotten to travel the world and do my thing. Currently stationed in Hawaii. That's, you know, be jealous. No, uh, I'm a logistics guy by trade. So I am a motor transportation guy. I do right now, I'm currently the movement coordinator for my unit. So whenever people are flying or boating or driving places that I don't know what I'm doing with my hands, uh, that has something to do with me. So you're trying to talk with your hand. I know, but I, I'm not, my window is not big enough, so you can't see what I'm doing. <laughs> you can just leave your hand down if you. I'm going to sit on them. That's what's going can't on. Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Shelby. Uh, David, is that is that all? Did you talk about your real estate experience? Oh, no, I totally didn't. I'm sorry. There's more to this intro. Yeah. <laughs> So I got started in real estate. I uh, I did a duplex uh, hack. I live in hack with the FHA loan. Stupidly should have used a VA loan, but uh, my lender and realtor didn't know what they were doing at the time. I've got new ones now, so you know don't take that personally, guys. Um, and so I didn't use it, and I'm paying for that now. Uh, since then, we've got duplex, single family, and a tenplex. And then uh, I actually just I had a really big deal. Things did not quite work out, so uh, we won't talk too much about that, but I just rescinded, uh, terminated the contract and going down the legal, uh, got to try to refund the deal. So That sounds fun. It's, <laughs> it's a learning experience, but you know, the other properties are still doing well. We didn't, so far we haven't lost any money, so it's all good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Shelby, what about you? What, how did you get started? And uh, Well, let's back up. Let's talk about your, real, uh, your military service. Uh, your okay. branch, because I looked up your profile again when I was stalking you a little bit. Yeah, about, uh, I was like, "Man, this chick is badass." So, uh, talk about that a little bit, and then let's talk about your uh, real estate experience and what you're doing now. Now that you've separated from the army. Okay. Um. So I was in the army for six years, and I started at Fort Lewis, Washington, as a second lieutenant, and was in human resources. So I was a battalion S one for those of you who are familiar with the military. And I stayed at Fort Lewis for you know, three and a half years. And then I went to career course and headed to Bragg. Um, so it was cool that I got to do the human resources part, which is not so like hua hua, whatever. But I also got to do, I was air assault and airborne. So I got to do some cool stuff as well. Um, and so right now I am still in Fayetteville, North Carolina around Fort Bragg. And I'm a real estate broker here. And I got started a little over a year ago. And I have my own realty group now and was just uh, announced as the rookie of the year at my firm. Um, oh, nice. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> so when you separated from the military, what was your final position or, or final rank? Yeah, I was a captain at uh, 2508 Parachute. I was afraid I was afraid this conversation was going to have like what I consider the alphabet soup because you guys live in a world that lives off of acronyms so far we've kept it clean so yeah uh, (laughs) hopefully (laughs) Uh, cool anything else oh no okay Tim how about you buddy all right. Uh, my name is Tim Kelly, currently active duty Navy Chief Petty Officer at NAS Pensacola here in Florida. And I've uh, been in for about 13 years, going to be 14 years uh, later this, this year. And so um, kind of just picked up Rich Dad Poor Dad one of my, during one of my last deployments, kind of read it, changed my mindset completely. Um, obviously went straight for real estate, didn't really look back about a year or so before I came down here, which was about three years ago. I have 
been in Pensacola for about two years now. Um, so about a year before I came down here, I started kind of investigating, looking into real estate, building relationships, paid too much for a real estate education, uh, and then decided I wanted to go straight for multifamily. And then um, as soon as I got orders to Pensacola, um, I reached out and Jay Helms was one of the first people on Bigger Pockets that reached out to me and kind of we, we started building a relationship. Um, the minute I got down here, I closed on a fourplex that same month that I moved down here uh, with the intentions of house hacking using a 203k FHA loan. And then six months later, Jay and I syndicated a you know, apartment complex. And then, you know, fast forward, um, my partners and I are working on closing our fourth mobile home park. And, you know, I'm currently using my VA loan to house hack a triplex in one of the best uh, neighborhoods in Pensacola. Um, I absolutely love this setup. I'm super blessed. Uh, and, you know, and now I'm also, so now we're looking specifically at mobile home communities, 100 pad mobile home communities. We're about to roll out a marketing campaign. Uh, we got thousands of, of owners across the country in the Southeast and Midwest that we're going to um, send out some letters to, um, hoping to close a couple big parks this year. And the other element is I'm now a, a part of, I'm a partner and a, and a team member of the rapidly growing active duty passive income platform, uh, where we educate uh, veterans and active duty on how to achieve financial freedom through, through real estate investing. Uh, you know, we have a Amazon bestselling book, we have a podcast and we have some incredibly successful people. We actually just interviewed Robert Kiyosaki on our podcast uh, last week and that'll be released here um, in the next week or two. Um, nice. I think we're, I think we're probably going to get Grant Cardone on the, on the podcast. A bunch of us are going to go down to his, his, his growth con in, in, in Miami. And I think uh, we might have that on lock. But anyway, so I'm kind of, I'm still active duty. Luckily, I'm super flexible job um, on shore duty. And uh, I'm just loving, you know, trying to create as many, as much financial freedom as possible with, you know, between the military uh, industry and, and staying kind of in that realm. So yeah, um, that's, that's pretty much what I'm focused on right now. Well, I wish you guys were doing more so we would have more to talk about. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, me too, man. Hey. I mean, between, between, between this group right here, there's probably, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred units represented, right? And I'm taking myself out of that equation. Full disclosure here too. So Tim mentioned uh, he and I partnered on a deal. We did partner on a deal. Uh, we, had, we did meet through Bigger Pockets, And then Tim and Patrick are, are members of the mastermind group that I host. Uh, so we're at... <clears throat> Shelby, Dave, we're gonna have to get you guys involved in that somehow, some way. So anyway, um, so we there is some synergies here, but I want to talk about you know the mental mental obstacles. You know, I was looking up earlier today that there's something like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here because I googled this, but there's something like 1.3 million active duty military service men and women. Is that about right? That you guys think? Probably more than that. More than all that. To, all together. All together. Like, I think that'd be about right. All together. All, yeah. all branches. Well, let's just including. I don't know about including reservists. No, yeah, it didn't recruit. It didn't recruit uh, reservists. But yeah, there's 180,000 Marines. 185. Yeah. And I think it was close to 500,000 Army. And then, but the whole thing. Let's just say it's one and a half million. Those one and a half million servicemen and women. Not all of them are investing in real estate, right? Why is that? What's the, what's, what's the big answer there? Because we all know, right? And Tim, you said something. I want to dive in here in a minute about having a flexible job. Do you have to have a flexible job with the military to do this? 
and you guys are all making at the top of your pay grade, right? What's the highest pay grade for military service? He what? D nine for enlisted, but then O nine or O ten, depending on what branch you're in. Okay. So you are all at the top of that pay rank, right? You, you no. You're not. I mean, I'm senior enlisted. I'm E seven out of nine. For <laughs> but how are you doing this then? How are you investing in real estate when you have when you're not making the most money that you can make in your job? Because I'm committed to freedom, committed creativity, creativity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Patrick, mm-hmm. you're over here flipping homes. You, you know, before I hit the record button, or we may have captured it. I'm not sure, but you talked about a house you had listed uh, that you and your wife have been flipping. Was it a live-in flip that you did? This one is a live-in flip, yeah. Okay. But you had 25 showings and four offers in the last week? Correct. How are are you guys – how are you flipping – I guess the point I'm trying to make is it doesn't matter really what you do. Everybody has the time to set aside to to go after this, right? And like Tim said, if you're committed. uh, Shelby's shaking her head yes. Shelby, what do you got to add to that point? No, I totally agree. It's all about making the time. If, if it's something you're really passionate about and you care about, then you'll make it happen. You'll get up before PT and you'll knock out your miracle morning if you do that and you know whatever you have to do for to make to stay on track with your investments. And then also when you come back, it's just everyone's tired at the end of the day. It's just pushing through that and focusing on the financial freedom or whatever you want your end state to be to make it happen. And you mentioned probably one of the most influential books I've read in the last year was Miracle Morning, Mil- the Millionaire's Version, right? Yeah, same. And, okay, so we're right, right now we're going through that in our mastermind group uh, with some daily and weekly challenges that come along with it. But you're, you, you know, when I read that book, I'm thinking this makes total sense because I've always been a night owl. You know, I never really liked getting up early until we started having kids, and then it was kind of forced me to, you know, get into that. Uh, rhythm, but getting up, you know, a couple hours before the rest of the house does and being able to just focus on not necessarily me time, but real estate investing time, you know, before the rest of the day hits, because as soon as I get to work or as soon as the rest of the house gets up and then as soon as I get to work, it's over, it's over. Right. And then, (laughs) you know, and and you guys, um, I don't know about your individual positions, how stressful they are. Now I cross patterns with Patrick here. I'm in the IT world as well. So it's a little stressful. You know, it takes a lot of mental anxiety. I will, I guess you could call it that throughout the day. So by the end of the day, uh, I am physically exhausted from what I went through mentally. Right. And I don't want to look at anything except for zone out and just hear my kids playing and try to watch some TV. Hey, everybody, I want to take a break from the action real quick and point you over to Passive Real Estate Investor Academy. It's one of our affiliate sponsors for the show. Um, Annie Dickerson, who leads up the academy there, I've met her. I met her at a conference last year. I uh, wanted to meet her because she is actually on uh, one of our posts, uh, 12 sites every financial freedom seeker should know about. Uh, the things that they're doing at Good Ag Investments, uh, I'm just amazed by. Uh, she had a very successful W-2 career, but also, uh, I think it was last year, uh, 2018, 
she was able to pull her parachute cord and become a corporate dropout and focus on real estate investing full time. So, and by that, I mean her and her partner are now syndicating deals through their uh, corporation, Good Egg, Good Egg Investments. And what I'm most impressed by these, these ladies, what they're doing is they closed, I think it was around 3,500 doors last year. Um, and now they're teaching, they've launched this course, Passive Real Estate Investor Academy, uh, to teach people what it really means to become a passive real estate investor and working with syndicators, whether you work with them or not, helps you understand what a passive real estate investor is all about. So check them out. We have a specific link for you. You can find it at helmsrei.com slash P-R-E-I-A. All right, let's get back to it. So it's hugely important for me to get up in the morning. If I know I, if I don't do that, it's not going to happen, happen, right? Yeah. But let's, so let's circle back around to your first deal, the first deal that you went through um, and thinking about some of those mental obstacles that you had to overcome. Uh, and Patrick, I want to start with you, you know, going back to your first, was your first deal a flip or was it more of a buy and hold? So our first deal was a live and flip that turned into a buy and hold when I joined the military and left. Okay. So what, what were some of the things you, and were you married at the time? We actually got married and closed on the deal the same month. Okay. Well, congratulations. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So what were some of the mental obstacles, if you can think back about, hey, should we do this or, or were there any? Did you have any reservations or was it to that point where you just said, hey, we're doing it? You know, I mean, what were some of those things that you were thinking about? Um, there, there was to- yeah, there's definitely mental reservations because a, a lot of changes going on in my life. We wanted to make sure we were making the right decision. Did we have, you know, and neither my wife or I were making much uh, when we when we end up closing. But we looked at what our, uh, you know, what our income was and what we wanted for our life. We wanted to propel ourselves further than, you know, where, you know, the people that were around us were. And the only way we knew that we could do that and that we'd seen it happen was through real estate. And so we figured let's take the first step. And if we fail, we get up and we move on and we do something else. I hear you. And Shelby, so... Um I know uh, you were on David's podcast a while back and I heard you talk about your first deal was in, um, was it Washington? Yes, it was. In DC, right? No, in Washington state outside of, yeah. And it was, uh, it was totally accidental. At that point, I didn't have this focus on real estate that I do now. Um, I just used my VA loan to buy the property that I was living in because I was like, why am I going to pay someone else's mortgage? didn't make sense. Um, and then it didn't click until I PCS and I was busting my ass, the 82nd airborne division. And I was looking at this property that had grown significantly in equity and was cash flowing. And I was like, why am I not just doing this over and over again? Uh, I read some books and was like, yeah, that makes sense. So I did it again and again. What, what finally pushed you? So you're renting this place, um, and then you eventually say, okay, it's done for me to rent it. And then you approach mm-hmm. the owner, which I, is genius, by the way, and said, hey, I just want to buy this from you. But yeah. what, what were, like some of the mental things you were going through, mental aspects of saying, okay, I do want to do this. Um, I know I'm going to leave here in a couple of years or, or sooner, but I do want to buy this property. Well, thinking about the mental aspect or the mindset you had to go through to say, yes, I want to pull the trigger. What are some of the things you had to overcome and how did you overcome them? Did you have help from somebody or... Yeah. So my first deal, since it was accidental, I didn't really have these reservations of an investor. Like, well, what am I getting into? I just kind of just did it. But my second property was much more uh, purposeful. 
And at that point, I had four more reservations because it was purchased as an investment property that I was not going to live in. And at that time, um, the reason, the thing that it kind of helped me push through it, and this is when I was still in the military, is more of the consequences of not doing it. So instead of being like unsure about doing it, I was like, well, if I don't do it, I'm going to be, for me, I was like, I don't want to be in the military for 20 years. Uh, don't like what I'm doing every day at work uh, type of thing. And so of continuing doing that just pushed me was like, Nope, got to take action. Let's do it right now. Okay. So it was more of a, um, I wouldn't say fear, but it was more of a a drive from, Hey, I I know I'm enjoying the military, but I already know that I'm not going to be doing this for the rest of my life. Uh, I have it my way. So I'm going to do something different. Right. And you decided. Okay. Uh, Dave, what about you? First deal. Yeah. So it wasn't too bad for me. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I wish that Audible would tell you like the date that you finished a book that long ago. I can't find yeah. it anywhere. Um, but I think I finished it October or November and I closed December 28th. So it was kind of like a light bulb clicked and I was like, I'm buying a house. We looked at a bunch of duplexes. Uh, I was engaged at the time, not married. Um, so for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to live in this apartment or I am living in this apartment. I'm spending uh, it's like 500 bucks a month for a two bed, one bath apartment. And the numbers worked out to where I moved into this duplex and all of a sudden instead of paying 500 for an apartment, I'm paying, I think it was like 120 was the difference between my mortgage and the income to own a duplex. So I'm like, okay, I just saved $400 a month to own a property instead of, um, you know, whatever. I was, it wasn't cash flowing at the time. It does now, but I was saving on what I was paying for mortgage. Sure. And then about a month, not even, probably two and a half weeks after uh, closing and starting to move into the duplex, we got orders and... It was like, oh, uh, get married and uproot, we're leaving. Um, so it was a very quick transition to not live in it as long as I intended to, but you know, stuff happens. But but you were able to move out and, and find a tenant and and continue to rent it and it cash flowed nicely, right? Yeah. I recouped the uh three and a half percent down in the first year. Wow. So you said something interesting there. You bought the property, then you got orders to move somewhere else. What is the legal role or, or what is, is there any kind of legal ramifications around buying a property, knowing when you're going to get orders and that sort of thing? What's the legal thing that you have to do there? It, it, the, you have to have the intent to live in it for a reasonable amount of time, right? Which is supposed to be around a year, um, which was, was the intent. Cause at the time I was planning on becoming a, well, I, I probably shouldn't get into specifics of job necessarily, but I was planning to stay out there for a lot longer. I was, I had a package in to extend for, uh, to become a careerist in that job field. Um, and, uh, that did not happen apparently. And is that with with the FHA loan, a VA loan or, or all of them? Is that kind of across the, from my understanding, it's both for the uh, owner occupied, the, um, but similar, I know uh, Tim's story, he had a, an issue with uh, an issue, but you know, kind of a change in circumstance. I'm sure he'll touch base on it um, where he was able to. So there's, I don't want to say loopholes, but they understand that life happens and especially yeah. with the military. So if something comes up, like you're not going to get bit in the rear because the military said, Hey, you're moving. And now they've got this financial person coming after you. Cause you, you know, so you're yeah. covered as long as, as long as you, you know, it's, it's not, intentional or malicious. Yeah. Deliberate. Right. Yeah. So Tim, David, I mentioned, I'm I'm assuming you are talking about the fourplex for Tim, right? Tim, so is that your first deal? You want to talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, so okay. I'm going to call it my first deal, even though before I moved from Virginia Beach down to Pensacola, I had I did leverage the VA loan to buy a single family home and I ended up house hacking it. It had two master bedrooms, one on the top level, one on the lower level. I ended up house hacking that without even knowing what house hacking was. It just made sense. So when I realized what real estate investing could do, that's the first deal was that uh, with a four-unit property that I had, had intentions on moving into the uh, one unit, renting out the other three, using the FHA 203K loan. And according to the FHA, as long as you have intent of living in one unit and occupying one unit for six months and one day, then then that will classify as an owner-occupied property. And since it was a 203K loan, we I wrapped $100,000 worth of rehab costs into that loan. Um, so it, according to the the budget and the policy, when we closed, the contractors were supposed to be completely done in 90 days. And then I was supposed to occupy the unit and rent out the other three units. It took over that six months and one day to complete all rehab. So I never actually needed to move into it. We were kind of settled in another spot. And then, you know, then we had a legitimate reason why we never moved in because the rehab took long. Uh, we ended up sticking a tenant in that in that unit, and then we actually used my VA loan to do the same thing with in, in a better part of town and a, a better setup for the family. So, um, so yeah, six months in one day, and we had, we justified it because we we found a better property for us, and the rehab just took long, so we couldn't physically move in. But you know. And even in the last book that we wrote, you know, I talk a lot about this and you should never try to do it intentionally. You know, um, don't go in thinking that you could use a, a, an owner occupied loan, whether it's a, a multifamily or a single family, um, thinking that you could just put a tenant right in there because um, you can't. I mean, it's not like the FHA police are going to come knock on their door with a map <laughs> and say, hey, uh, you know, yeah. prove to me that, you know, you're actually, you know, this, the person who closed on this property is is occupying this property, but it's just you know bad juju, and it will come back around, and you know who sure. knows some of the FHA might might catch up on it eventually. So yeah, you, you want to be morally and ethically sound, right? Which yeah. I mean that that goes beyond just real estate investing. But you mentioned something there about I think it's funny that it's six months in one day. Like if it's five months and thirty days, they're like, no, 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 you got to stay there for two more days. You know, it's just it's funny that one day. Yeah, the v, the VA is one year and one day, but FHA is six months and one day. Okay, so um, all of you have mentioned VA. Has has everybody used VA before? David, you, David and Patrick. You, okay, Patrick, I was going to ask you if you could use a VA for a flip, but if you, I guess you can if it's a living flip, right? And you're there for six months and one day. Correct. Okay, but you have the pl- that's the plan for the next one. Uh, we actually are. We're looking for uh, c- kind of like what uh, what Tim did. We're looking for a three or four plex that we could do a live in flip on and then have it be a long term hold. That's that's what's next for us. Okay. Nice. And and David, you shook your head. No, you have not used your VA loan yet. So tell me about that. Why not? Because that seems like one of the best benefits of serving in the military is you have this. And just real quick, I haven't really read up on it because I'm I'm not a military serviceman. What is a VA loan? It's zero percent down, basically, or very low interest down, or low deposit it's up, down. It's up to actually the VA loan itself. So the VA benefit actually has very minimal standards. It's mostly bank enforced criteria, but okay. uh, it's like Tim said, it's up to a year and one day intent to live in. 
to own an occupancy loan up to four units. It's it can be up to 100% financing. There's a funding fee. It can be waived if you're disabled veteran. The intent behind the loan is to it basically started like 40, 50 years ago. Veterans were coming back from combat and not able to afford a property where they were coming home, and so they wanted to offer the benefit for people who you know had had served their country and all that. So it's the intent is to get you to be able to move into a house for your family that'll you know that within good condition. I have not used it because and not because I don't want to use it because my and I was intending to use it uh, in Missouri on my first property and like I said my lender talked me out of it uh, and I did not. I was new enough that I was just happy to pull the trigger. I didn't know enough at the time to talk him out of it. I was like, sure, I have three and a half, no big deal. I didn't know that there was primary private mortgage insurance, which was going to end up being an $80 a month <laughs> suck on my cash flow for the last three years. Um, that wouldn't be the case had I used a VA. And then, but then when I moved to Hawaii, I mean, the market out here, we're saying, you know, it is not as an exaggeration to say that five miles off base, you'll find a, 5,000 square foot lot, which is like an eighth of an acre or quarter of an acre, whatever. Um, a very small lot. We'll go with eight. Yeah. Three bed, <laughs> one, three bed, one and a half bath house that is 40 years old, not renovated and like 1200 square feet, 800, $850,000, like normal price. Um, which is for one outside the VA cap for two, there's no way you'll ever cash flow with that. And for three, if you had been offering at that price, it's kind of like Patrick's situation. People would have been coming in in cash way over. There were there was a point in time last year where you could be buying a million dollar home and if you didn't make the offer in like standing in the open house, start writing up paperwork, you weren't going to be one of the first 10 offers they received. So it was just, there wasn't any way to make it work without like an hour and 20 minute commute to, to base and my wife was pregnant. So I got told no. Um, so I am going to be, I've already reached out. I'm making the connections when I move off of this island to a somewhat more affordable place to be using the VA loan. And that's coming up relatively soon for you, right? Yeah, there's some, uh, some contingencies in that, but in theory in June, I'll be living in sunny San Diego. So nice. Nice. Um, you mentioned, uh, VA cap. So what does that mean? There's a, there's a, um, a, I mean, there's, I guess there's a top of the market that you can't spend over X amount of dollars for a home. Is that right? Correct. It depends on your area. So, and I'm going to mess up all the numbers if I try to spit them all accurately because they all just went up and I don't know what they are. Okay. All the nation, but in Hawaii, it is seven, I think it went up to 726,500 is what I believe it went up to. Um, but the generally it's around 450, I think. Um, so it just kind of depends on your area. They won't let you, you can't go buy Bill Gates, you know, house with zero down. That's just, the VA loan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, maybe. Maybe Warren Buffett's because it's you know forty years old and he, right. he's smart. And- yeah. So the the point being there, it's a local market thing uh, that drives that cap number. Um, where and I this is the first time I've heard of that. So where would would I find that out if I'm a VA and looking to to know what I can spend with zero down? This is where I give the super non technical <laughs> answer where I say Google. Me too. Okay. <laughs> Okay. But there's there's a VA website. I think it, I I'm not I'm not going to try to hyperlink it or waste the time searching it. But okay. But I mean, with the the number one thing I would do is get recommendation on the best VA mortgage lender who focuses on VA loans um, and who can answer all those questions. Other than googling yourself and probably being able to pull it up within ten seconds anyway. Um, if you're interested, working with a uh, you know a qualified, preferably a vet. 
um, mortgage loan expert in the VA realm. That's obviously another another idea that we recommend to people. And shop and I, around because the sorry the VA loan the the this bank, is me pointing at you by the way. Oh, I appreciate that. The bank <laughs> imposes a lot of their like I said, it's more bank but determines stuff. So like debt to income ratios and acceptable amounts. So for example, I'm looking right now and I've got three different people that I've talked to and all three have given me a, I mean, a wildly, like we're talking $150,000, difference in what I'm qualified for. One of them will do the renovation wrap, like the FHA, the 203K. The other two will not. So I'm looking at like, okay, well, this guy said I'm worth this much. This guy said I'm worth this much, but I can't do the renovation. This person said a little bit less, but I can do a renovation. I mean, there's, it's the banks put their own spin on it. So, so do your homework. Don't just get wrapped into one, uh, one person. So not all self-proclaimed uh, VA lenders are equal is basically what you're saying, right? Okay. Um, so, you know, we talk a little bit, not talk a little bit this year. I've been focused on a lot of my conversations have been around mindset and having the right mindset to get you over, especially to get you over that first deal. Uh, because it seems like once you close in that first deal, uh, that flywheel just starts spinning a lot faster and a lot easier. So what is some of the advice? And I want everybody to answer this individually. Try not to repeat anybody's answer, but um, what is some advice you would give your fellow servicemen and women, regardless of rank, you know, uh, how they should get started or, or get over those mental barriers of what it, what it takes to invest in real estate. And Shelby, we'll start with you. Oh, good. No, I don't, I can't copy anyone. <laughs> so, gosh, that's so hard because for me, I didn't take much convincing. Um, and then also for military, it's so easy. I just, the thing that kills me is when there's so many people who don't know about the VA loan, like people in the military right now and the units that I used to serve in literally no idea that that's even an option for them. And once they know about it, the VA loan is the best thing ever. Um, and I was going to add on with the lenders to make them compete for your business because you can talk them down, you know, Hey, this person offered me this rate and whatever, and they will go down. on. Uh, excellent point. You, you know, cause I, and I'm guilty of this too. When I walk into a bank and I'm like, get excited about somebody who wants to do business with me. I, yeah. I, forget that, Hey, I can negotiate that down. So anything, anytime you go into a bank while they may say it's their policy or whatnot, they will yeah. negotiate with you on, on the right terms. Right. So. Everything's negotiable. Yeah. <laughs> um, point. yeah. And there's so many, there's so many loopholes and gray area. And I'm totally with you about what you said earlier about, you know, moral and ethical and all that stuff. Um, but even with the VA loan, there's ways to get allowances that exceed those max 4% concessions that the seller's allowed to provide to you. Um, so along with finding a lender who understands the VA loan, finding an agent who understands the VA loan, also really important because there's so much possibility. Um, wait, what was the question? <laughs> and you're one of those agents, right? You completely understand it. So if somebody's... Yeah. Yeah. I've used that? it twice. So... Okay. In almost probably 90% of my business are VA buyers. So yeah, I'd say yeah. I'd it. <laughs> but you said you used it, used it twice. I thought you could only use it once. See another misconception. Okay. You can use it as many times as you want, as long as it stays within that entitlement that David was talking about. And then also there's stipulations. So for instance, the first time you buy the, the use the VA loan, you can do any purchase price that you want. But the second time you use it, 
Um, I don't know if it's different in different markets, but in Fayetteville, it must be a purchase price greater than $144,000. So there's just little rules in there that, again, you should find that savvy lender and they'll be able to spin you up on, on all of it. Okay. But the point being is if I go buy, <clears throat> excuse me, a fourplex and I live in it and I house hack it for a year and a day, yep. right, and I use my VA loan that year and day two, then I can go buy my second fourplex still have, I don't have to sell my original fourplex. I can still have it as, you know, cash flow and property. And I can continue that process. How many, is it an infinite well, amount of time? It, it all depends on the entitlement cap. Okay. And then also if you're moving, you need to have a good reason because the lenders will be like, huh, you just bought one. Why do you need to move again? So it was great. I think Tim said it, that they needed to upgrade someone, you know, you need to upgrade or maybe something happened to your family. You need to downsize. Um, or you moved across post. And now it would be more beneficial for you to, you know, change your location and live closer to where you work. And anybody in the military has the most perfect example of a reason to relocate, right? It's because your yes. orders are taking you there. <laughs> so, um, and I just had a really good question, but I forgot it. So if I come back, if I remember it, I'll come back to it. So Jay, you could have two outstanding at the same time, right? Let's say your cap is 450. You could have a property that's worth 200 and that you lived in for a year, over a year, and then put a renter in that and use the VA loan for the rest of the 250 of your benefits and owner occupy that loan. Let's say if you decide to refinance out of both those loans into rental loans, you now have $450,000 worth of your benefits available to you. So, you know, it, she kept saying your it's all based on your cap. Whether you're in Hawaii, it's up to 700. I know some places in Florida are up to 800. It's, it depends on the market. Like if you're in Miami, it'll probably be close to Hawaii. But you can have two at once as long as you're living in one for over a year, you move into the other one. But then if you refinance out of that, you have your whole VA loan benefit back available to you again. So I just want to make sure that was clear. Which is which is an interesting strategy. So you, you take the VA loan and then you refinance out of that into like a 30 year conventional loan where you may not have to come out of many, any money out of pocket because you've done some upgrades or it appraises for to have that, whatever the LTV ratio is for the banker. That that's an interesting strategy. So you can keep recycling that VA loan as much as possible. Right. So, um, getting back to the question advice you would give to break down the mindset of somebody who I can't do it. Right. Because you're military servicemen and women in my eyes, you can almost do anything right. Because you're, because of your training and what you go through. So when it comes to real estate investing, if they have a mindset of, I can't do it, how do you break down that mental barrier? So for me on that, um, it comes down a lot to, I mean, kind of like you said, uh, the U S government, you know, puts 18, 19 year old kids in charge of millions of dollars worth of equipment. So it's not a matter of, can they do it? It's whether they realize or they've ever been told that they can do it. You know, they'll, they'll go to their initial training and they'll buy a $40,000 Camaro and they have a, a car payment that is more than what a mortgage would be that they could move in with a couple buddies and house hack a place. They just, they don't have, they don't know what they don't know. So I yeah. feel like a lot of it is the, the folks that do know, the folks that are doing it, there's the onus on them to try to make sure that they encourage those people to do that. Yeah. I wonder if that's why the car dealerships in Pensacola are so um, successful, actually. Oh, yeah. 100%. yeah. 
I've like never thought military town. Whether you're in Hampton Roads, Virginia, all the dealerships around it, they are they're hugely marketed towards the E ones and E twos. They'll specifically say no credit check for E one, E two. They know they have a constant paycheck. And they're the most uneducated demographic that are just going to walk in there and, and say, yeah, I could afford a $700 car payment. And, and, yeah. and Patrick nailed the dude because that is real. That is really happening all the time. And, uh, and yeah. So. so how do you how do you change somebody's mindset, an 18, 19-year-old kid, Tim, that, that does that, says, look, man, don't spend $700 on this Camaro. Go spend, you know, $700 on a mortgage that – you really are not going to be out of pocket. You can eventually, you can actually buy a property that is going to buy you that Camaro and it's not going to cost you any more money. How do you change their mindset to, to look at that? So a lot of times it's, they, they have to figure out like really wasn't it for me and they're going to, that's going to be thinking about the whole time. Why would I try to do this? Why would I think that I can do this or I have the capability to do this? So it all starts with education and really being setting the example and saying, Hey, look, I just got a little bit of financial education and I realized that anybody can get involved in real estate investing and anybody can create streams of income. Uh, even if you have a full-time job in the military, you know, while you're employed, you can get educated because that's part of the process. Um, you just have to make a decision and you, you have to understand why, but if they, for instance, like I say, this is what I decided to do. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I have financial freedom now and I'm going into the reserves when, I, when my contract is up because of that, you know, setting the example saying, hey, look, you can do this and it, they have to have that with them. That's what's in it for me and letting them know that, that look, you can either stay in the military and, and, and you, you continue on this path of, of what's considered the rat race and a lot of, you know, a lot of people, or you could just slightly increase your financial intelligence and learn how, how people who are rich and wealthy and have financial freedom, what they do differently, right, with, with their money and with their income. Um, and, and you could do the same thing. It's nothing that you have to be creative or you don't have to reinvent anything. You could just duplicate what people have done before. And it's all over the internet for free. You can learn essentially how to do this. And, and people are willing to walk you through it. So, um, but in order to motivate them to just make that decision, it's all about, you know, here, read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Hey, read this military house hacking book that we just wrote. Just so you understand that with a VA loan, you can really start building wealth and catapult your financial position to the next level, like dramatically in a very short period of time if you leverage it for, you know, to house hack a, a fourplex, uh, for instance. So, yeah, I mean, the, stereotypically, there's not one way to, to do it. It has to be the, the individual has to see the value in it. And, yeah. and that their time is well spent actually reading these books and getting educated. Um, and then the other, the, the last thing is, is I had the opportunity to be a command financial specialist at my last command, which every single Navy command has a command financial specialist overall. And then there's command financial specialists throughout the departments, each department. And you're kind of the representative that, that they, that sailors can come to you and say, Hey, I got this going on. I got this going on. You're like the liaison between, between the, the sailor or the Marine and what's called the fleet and family support center who has registered financial advisors and people who have more training. Um, but then sometimes they're forced to come see you if, if they're having financial difficulties or if they can't afford their bills, they have to come see you. So you sit down with them one-on-one and do a screening. And that's like free financial consultation that 
these military members have that most of them don't take advantage of or see the value in, but that all goes back to the root problem of lack of financial education in our society, in our school system, and it's not emphasized, the importance is not emphasized as people are going through the ranks of, of, our, of our school system that just trains you how to be an employee and, and how, to, how to work for somebody else. So I think that's the real root of the problem, and the military isn't much better. They just say, do your job and invest in the TSP, then maybe one day you'll have enough to retire. And, there's but, another I mean, another acronym that I don't understand, but that's okay. <laughs> What's that? That's another acronym that I don't understand. So it's the TSP okay. is the 401k. It's the military. Okay. 401. So I've heard about that before. Rip savings plan, okay. uh, which is just you know the a mutual fund uh, vehicle where you could choose different different mutual funds. Um, but even our pension man is going away. I don't know how much you know about what that last year transitioned into the blended retirement system. Now a lot of people used to join the Navy because you do 20 years, you get this guaranteed pension. That's slowly trickling away right now. It's, it's like partial pension, now partial your, your TSP, where the, actually the military matches up to a 4%, which is great. But again, that is capital that's going into all these mutual funds that you have absolutely no control of. The government has control of it. They control how much you put in, what, yeah. when you can put it in, when you can take it out, and they charge you fees if you try to pull it out. So it's just that shows you now more than ever is the most important time to start creating your own income streams to not rely on the government or corporations. And I'm yeah. sure all you guys feel the same, which is why we're here right now. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of my big things too is I didn't want to rely, you know, if I got a retirement age, I didn't want to rely just on a 401k. Um, cause you know, I mean, I've, anyway, that's a whole nother horror story of what my 401k has been doing recently. But, um, so David, what about you? What are, what's some advice you can get, give to, and I want to make sure I'm, I'm clear on this. I'm not picking on servicemen or women at 18 and 19 years old. I didn't have a clue either. Right. I mean, I, I started investing four years ago, uh, five years ago at the age of uh, 34. So it took me some time. I wish somebody would have came and knocked on my skull a little bit and said, Hey, no, this is what you need. And if I think back, I, I probably did. But, um, since we're talking about talking to military service men and women, that's kind of the focus of our conversation, I'm not picking on y'all. So yeah, we're all super offended by, yeah. uh, <laughs> I um, make sure that's clear. <laughs> no, but the problem, the difference, the main difference is that the vast majority of the U S population at 18, 19 years old does not get handed a $40,000 a year job or, or, Fair or point. more so. So for me, for example, I make $40,000 a year in Hawaii, but between my housing allowance, my food allowance, uh, my cost of living allowance, I make 106, 108. Um, yeah. So people look at the W-2, but like you're handing an 18, 19 year old kid a ton more money than they ever made before they joined and saying here, and now they go and they hang out with all their friends and they make all these wonderfully intelligent and well thought out decisions uh, with this paycheck they never received before. So I would, I'm going to, since everyone said things that I would say, I would kind of <laughs> caveat off what Tim said. And I know I just used caveat wrong, which is a huge pet peeve of mine. And I don't know how I just <laughs> that, so I'm sorry. To the I'm, world. I have that effect on people because I usually don't use words in the right context. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I would say be the change that you want to see. Right. So Tim pointed it out a couple different ways. You're showing the financial uh, intelligence and the freedom. And the, in fact, I'm looking at the reserves just like Tim that are just completely cold Turkey done. Um, but I don't foresee myself staying active after this contract either. Um, I'm a command financial specialist as well, which is a job that I recommend to anybody. Once you hit that rank, the staff and CEO ranks where you can do that, 
because you get to learn more about your own finances and then help people. I mean, we see budgets all the time and get to, unfortunately. And so Tim, Tim mentioned active duty passive income earlier. So I, for those of you, I didn't mention it, but I run a, for military to millionaire blog on, on this kind of stuff. And a lot of that came from me realizing like your income's not the problem. It's your expenses, but we live in this world where we want to have nice things and then wonder why we don't have money at the same time. And what I see through budgeting and through, I run a monthly uh, seminar with all my Marines and service members where I talk about all this and I do free form open conversation and stuff. And it is just mind boggling. Some of the things that a, they don't understand and B they buy. And we live in this world where unfortunately we can, we do a very good job of helping people make intelligent life decisions and grow as an adult and as a human being, but we do not always do the best job in educating on finances until you're losing a security clearance or getting divorced or missing rent payment. And all of a sudden they get dragged in front of the command financial specialist and we get told to fix it. Um, so we're, so it's like what Tim is doing and what I'm doing and what a lot of other people doing, which is going out of your way to try to be proactive rather than reactive. Yeah. Uh, as far as changing the mindset on investing, Man, the only thing I ever tell anyone is the three steps. And I just posted a YouTube video on this. It's learn, network, and take action. Like you can podcasts and books and Google, and then you get around people who are doing the same thing. And then you ask questions and then you be a person that's worth knowing. And then all of a sudden you say, screw it, we're going to town and you, you do something. And then yeah. maybe it works out or maybe it doesn't. I mean, heck, look at me. I'm ending up in a lawsuit here soon trying to get my money back from a bad deal. But I made the deal and I've learned a ton from it. Um, and, and it won't stop you, you know, I mean, what's, what does it matter? So people get all scared about this, that, and the other, but if I was to produce some, some numbers on why that deal went South, uh, you know, it's a, a, a larger deal than it should have been and it's terrifying, but it's not going to stop me. And the, yeah. that's the mentality you need to have. And we have that mentality and everything else in life in the military, ah, I broke a leg, ah, I'm going to recover and go to seal school. Like all these, yeah. you know, <laughs> beat your chest, whatever. But when it comes to like finances, we're like, yeah, I don't make enough money. I'm just going to buy all this alcohol and this fancy car and that'll solve why I don't make enough money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, so last week I interviewed a couple of firemen, uh, for the same exact series. And one of them had, you know, we all run into this conversation about, well, I don't have the time and I don't have the money. Uh, or the skill set. And what he did, I thought it was brilliant because he's a captain at his firehouse and, and talking to his guys. He said, but you have the skill set. And he went down this list of every skill set that it takes to be a great fireman. And he mapped it over to what it takes to be a great real estate investor. And I thought, man, that's, that's brilliant. So, but you mentioned something there, um, you know, and I, I think Shelby does this too, but you, you have a local meetup, right? That you, do this. Shall we? So you have a local meetup as well. Is that correct? Yes, I do. And that's something I was going to jump on is that people make a lot of excuses about like, I don't have the resources. I don't know the right people or whatever, but really, you know, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you don't yep. people around you in the military, cause you can't really choose who you work with, you know, read books, <laughs> like make those the people that you spend the most time with. And like, for me here, one of the reasons why I, I created the meetup is because I felt like I want to talk to about real estate and there's got to be more people out there who want this as well. And so creating Pints and Properties, we do a monthly meetup at a rotating brewery and we bring in a guest speaker to educate us on something and then we network. Um, but that was a pretty selfish creation. It's just because I wanted to learn more things and I wanted to surround myself by people who were doing the things that I wanted to do. And you know, it's, it's all, there's excuses. And then 
just make it happen. You know, I don't, and I don't, I wouldn't call yourself selfish there because I'm in the same boat with you. I, I learn more when I teach as odd as that sounds, but it's, it's all about being around people with like-minded issues, yeah. right? And like-minded goals and you're striving for, and it, it, it may, they might not give you the best advice in the world, it, you know, and it may be the, I mean, it may be the worst advice, but you've talked it out and you talked it through. And then this idea pops in your head, like, Oh, this is what I need to do. Like we all should have told David, Hey, that deal he's tied up in. in I'm sorry. I'm laughing with you, buddy, <laughs> but you shouldn't do it, you know, but you know, I, I'm joking. Um, but it's about being to around. To be fair, the numbers were great. Sure. People <laughs> and some contractual obligations weren't met. And it was just time to pull chocks. So I understand. Yeah, I'm just I probably yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. For yeah. sure. You can you can give me a hard time uh, when I'm in a lawsuit because I'm sure it's going to happen. <laughs> and David, Jay doesn't know what pull chocks means. I'm pretty sure you're going to have to educate him on what that means. No, it just right over my head. So it's it's fine. It's. I'm sure it's a military term that all the military folks watching are going to understand. But if you're not in the military, David, what does pull shots mean? <laughs> the, I don't even know how that's a phrase for me because I'm not an aviator. Uh, but it's the, the shock blocks are like what they put around the wheels. Mainly on airplanes, we use them on tactical vehicles as well. So pull shocks is reference to you need to pull the chalk out from under the wheel before you start driving. Because what happens most of the time in my profession is people... <laughs> You know, you put a 50,000-pound vehicle uh, with a wooden block in front of it, and that's supposed to stop it. Well, what generally happens is it just gets crushed. But So you're supposed to pull the chalk out before you drive. But Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of great things I want to um, circle back, and we'll get to the last question because I think we're even over on time. So is everybody good so far? Good on time? Okay. So one of the things, you know, several things we've talked about um, – specifically to military VA loans, get familiar with them, talk to somebody who's who talked to multiple people, uh, multiple banks who specialize in VA loans, seek out your uh, command financial specialist. Am I saying that right? So what you guys are okay uh, to talk about that. And then I want to end on uh, with two questions. Really? The first question is, and everybody want everybody to go through this. And we've talked a little bit about this already, but why is, and this is what this series is all about, you know, who has the best job to be a real estate investor? Because um, we're all busting it. Uh, we, none of us were blessed with that great, really, you know, uh, wealthy uncle who could just loan us a bunch of money and we can go do this. So what is, or why is serving in the military the best job for a real, real estate investor? And we've, we've talked a lot about uh, buy and hold. Um, I don't Daniel's flipping, but nobody's really doing wholesaling, which that's fine. There's all different types of way. You know, you can be even passive where you just give somebody money and they give you a return. Uh, we didn't talk about that. But there's so many different ways you can get involved in real estate. But why is military the best job for a real estate investor? Tim, I'll start with you and then we'll go around the horn. I think um, it's funny that the next video that I was going to post is about all the characteristics that are instilled in us being in the military, going through boot camp, mentally broken down, physically broken down for a lot of people, being built back up, especially as you go through the ranks, start leading people, uh, get through adversity, go through failures and struggles. Your characteristics that you learn and that you inherit from just your grit, your work ethic, your leadership, your, uh, your resilience, um, you know, team building, all these awesome characteristics, if you do it right, could 
transition very, very, very well uh, into any industry at all. And that's why a lot of people like hiring vets because they, you know, assume that kind of those characteristics are, are within. But if you really leverage like what you learn and what what you kind of ha- has been kind of almost in, in embedded into your DNA, um, if you apply what you learn and that into the military or into the real estate investing and creating a team and and hitting up deals and and just being genuine and ethical and, and straightforward with people, um, I think that's probably one of the biggest benefits and reasons why having that military service and background um, is you know is going to be huge for getting into real estate. Um, other than, of course, we have activedutypassiveincome.com that you can go to. <laughs> you can have, easy, you know, easy. We're going, we're going to get the plugs here in a minute. Easy. All these different free resources <laughs> for you to learn if you're a vet or if you're a spouse or if you're active duty um, and, and a team to, to support you. So yeah. but there's, there's so many other benefits. I will say, too, that you made a point there that a lot of, a lot of uh, corporate a lot of corporate America will hire vets knowing they have these certain skill sets. And I apologize if you guys can hear the kids going crazy right now. Um, the, um, that's, that is extremely true. Uh, I, and I have even found some of my best coworkers are vets. Um, so it's definitely true. You guys are definitely, um, trained appropriately. Uh, Patrick, what about you, buddy? Um, why is serving in the military the best job for a real estate investor? I think a lot of it's going to be echoing what, what Tim said, but I believe that- I knew I should have let Tim go last. I know, right? Everybody yeah. can do that, that first 90%, but the margins of who's successful and who isn't is in that last 5 and 10%. And that's where we as military members thrive is that last 5 and 10%. Those are the, those are the percentage of people who decide that, hey, I'm going to go float on a warship for nine months in the middle of nowhere, have no idea what I'm doing tomorrow, but that's- uh, you know, I've got to be flexible. I got to be resilient. I got to be able to, you know, solve problems when need be. And yeah. uh, those are those are the skills you need to be, you know, a real estate investor. If you can if you can capture those into that new skill of real estate investment, you'll be perfectly fine. And and you bring up an interesting point. I'm, I meant to ask: Can you can you have investment properties when you're deployed? So I actually bought and sold. So the house I'm selling right now, I closed on while I was floating about, you know, in the middle of the Mediterranean. So that's awesome. I had my legal officer notarize my information. We pulled into Poland and I mailed the closing paperwork back out. That's amazing. That was so awesome. So it's definitely possible. All right. Shelby, what about you? Uh, Why is serving in the military the best job for a real estate investor? And again, we all, you basically have served your time and then went, and I hate saying it. Is there a different way for me to say that? Cause I feel like I'm talking about you're in prison or something, but you definitely yeah. serve the country and then you, you, uh, you got out and you know, now you're, you're not only an investor, but you're a broker. So yeah. I love that perspective of saying, Hey, I did this. I started this venture when, when I was in service, now that mm-hmm. I'm out, it's still something I want to do, but, if, if you're serving in the military now, what's, why is that the best job to have and be a real estate investor? There's so many reasons, and uh, they already hit on a lot of great ones. Uh, I guess the only thing I would add is, so something in the military, they're always about, you know, kind of just make it happen, get it done. And what I've seen so much in the civilian side is that people will get stopped by three foot walls all the time. Like there's no just get over it, just make it happen. 
And that's something that the military has really helped with, as well as uh, tracking and follow-up. So I don't know how much you guys do it, but in the S1 world, human resources, there's so much tracking where things are in the process and knowing that when you send an email out to someone or call someone, you're going to have to call about 12 more times before they pay attention to you. It's very useful in getting what you want (laughs) in the investment side and then also the broker side. Follow-up is key. And then besides the VA loan, which is amazing, the last thing I was going to hit on is network. So you meet so many people throughout the military and you never know or realize that people have money. Um, and it's kind of interesting. It's, it's creeped on me recently, people coming out of the woodwork who don't have the time or the desire to get you know, their hands dirty in real estate, but would like to invest their money into someone who does have the time and the desire and private money is huge into what I'm getting into with my projects. So the network is great as well. Yeah. And so you talk about people having money. It is amazing how many people have money. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there was some statistic I read last week or so that 1,700 new millionaires are minted every day. Now, I think it was talking about net worth, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that is an astounding number to me. But um, David, what about you? Anything to add to to the why serving in the military is the best job for a real estate investor? Well, everyone already murdered all the intangibles. Uh, they blew it out of the park. So, and I agree with all of them, especially the you know what Shelby said about the figure it out. That's huge problem solving. Um, so, I'm going to hit on the tangibles. So, for one, uh, let's say you're 19, 20 years old, you just got married, and you're in the military, and you get this housing allowance, which is awesome. So, the military is handing you money to pay for either rent or a mortgage. So, if you're getting the money and you have to spend it somewhere might as well use it on a mortgage for something that is an investment. Well, the nice thing is that a 19, 20 year old who let's say they got the same amount of money, who's not in the military, the job security. So as a 20 year old in the military, you could literally buy the worst investment in the world, fall on your face, declare bankruptcy, the world ends and you still got your job and you still get a paycheck. And you've got, if you stay in the military, what, 16, 18, 20, 30 years left to figure your life back out and try again. Uh, the safety net behind that and the allowance for making mistakes is huge. And that's why I, that's one of the benefits I see is that you can jump off a cliff, you know, with no parachute and figure it out on the way down. Um, and, and that's not to say that you need to go out there and be crazy, but there's safety there that a lot of people don't have. Our medical bills are covered. Our education is covered. Our, food, they give you an allowance or you eat at the chow hall. There's uh, if you go somewhere where it's super expensive, they give you an adjustment for cost of living. Um, so no matter where you end up in the military, you're going to be able to afford all of the basic necessities. And so you have, you can afford a little bit more risk in your life. Um, and then obviously, there's the loan. so yeah, I love what you just said there about, you know, cause I, I think about where I've been in the W2 world and I early on when we bought our, our first, what I call a fault start in real estate investing, um, that's kind of the way that I looked at it. We didn't have kids, you know, we we're very flexible, what, what we could do. And I looked at it and said, Hey, if we fail at this, it's okay. We're young enough. We can recuperate, you know? Uh, but I love how you, you positioned it to where, um, the military is one of those positions that's not going to go away. You know, I mean, it's not necessarily going to go bankrupt. Now we are sitting in the middle of a government shutdown, but there's some stipulations around that that's going to protect everybody. So um, 
So last thing, and we're severely over time, I want to go through and make sure everybody knows how to get in touch with y'all. So if they, if they, if you said something that sparked their interest, they can reach out. So David, I want to start with you and go back around the horn um, and talk about your blog uh, from military to millionaire. Um, shall we talk about what you have going on with five pillars, Tim? I know you're going to do it too. And Patrick, you do. So David, we'll start with you and we'll, we'll go around the horn. So. Yeah. So I run the online blog from military to millionaire.com on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and a podcast all under the same name. Uh, I take that back. The podcast is actually just called the military millionaire podcast. Um, Feel free to reach out. I'm all over the place. If, if you can't find me, then I'm doing something wrong. So when you do find me, please tell tell me and I can fix it. Uh, So the the whole premise behind that is we've already covered it. So you know what? I'm not going to self plug go find it. It's fun. No, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the basis of your podcast, right? Is to talk about people who are in the military and they want to get wealthy. Yeah. Here, let me read my super fancy. Do it. uh, (laughs) I am an active duty Marine and have realized that service members in working class often use the phrase. I don't get paid enough entirely too often. The reality is that most often our financial situation is self-inflicted. After having success with real estate investing, I started from military to millionaire to teach personal finance and real estate investing to service members in the working class. As a result, help many readers increase their savings gap, purchase real estate, and increase their chances for financial freedom. That's on my wall. That's my, my quote, mission statement to myself. Every That's day. awesome. So That's a lot to digest there. <laughs> Shelby, we'll go to you next. Tell us about five pillars. Okay. Um, so anyone who's looking to buy, sell, or invest nationwide, um, we can help you. And we specialize here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Five Pillars Realty Group. Um, we focus on military and investors, um, bonus points if they're one and the same. So <laughs> you can find us on Facebook or Instagram. My personal one is real estate with Shelby Osborne. And then five pillars realty group is on both of them as well as on Facebook, look up to clients and properties and you can join our group. Like I'll post all of the cheat sheets that I've made to systemize the things that I've figured out so far. And we'll post the live streams of our guest speakers. So those three. <laughs> Awesome. And, and what's your meetup called? Pints, Pints and, and Properties. Pints and Properties. Yeah. I, like it. <laughs> I like it. Patrick, we'll go to you next and then we'll get Tim to, to take us out. So where can people um, talk to you more? Yeah. So uh, me and my wife, we run uh, Maple House LLC. Um, the whole reason that we do what we do is because we want to be able to encourage financial literacy for people who wouldn't otherwise have the capability to learn about it. Um, so if you can find us on maplehousellc.com or find us on our Facebook page, it's just Maple House LLC. Um, love to talk to any of you guys about anything I know and learn, learn about you guys. That's all I got. I love it. Tim. <clears throat> so it just started pouring rain here. I don't know. Is the audio bad? You hear it really bad yeah, in the background or it's can fine. you hear my voice clearly? Thank you. Thank you clearly. Yeah, okay. So again, I'm Tim Kelly. Uh, storm's getting worse. So um, you can find me on Instagram at the Timothy Kelly, LinkedIn at the Timothy Kelly, and just on Facebook, Tim Kelly. Um, you know, reach out to me anytime. I also do one-on-one coaching for personal financial foundation and getting into real estate investing. So uh, right now I'm offering a huge promotion on, on military service members um, if you're interested in that. And then active duty passive income is this incredible platform designed for veterans and, and active duty and even spouses who want to attain financial freedom through real estate investing. We have an incredible course, an incredible podcast, 
Uh, we're, we've been interviewing some awesome people, and we have a book. Um, right now, you can actually get the book for free. It's called Military House Hacking. Um, you can go to activedutypassiveincome.com and get that, or you can go on Amazon and buy the paperback for like seven, eight bucks, or you can get the e-copy for free, or just shoot me an email, uh, uh, tim at activedutypassiveincome.com. But cool. awesome. Thanks, Jay, for having us, man. This has been awesome. Hey, I, I've enjoyed it. You know, we're talking about having those like-minded individuals that you just want to talk to. So every time I do one of these, I walk away with something, some little nugget or some extra little motivation, you know, I, you know, to, to go to the next level personally. So there is like Shelby was talking about, there's some self-serving in it, but I appreciate all of you being here and spending close to an hour, a little over an hour with me um, and with each other. Uh, also want to say to, to y'all specifically, but to all the servicemen and women out there, thank you for your service. Uh, we would definitely not be the nation we are without you. And, uh, with that, we'll, we'll end it. All right. Well, I like what I like to say when I, I'm, so I've started doing this. Um, uh, if you have an Amazon echo, I've started doing a daily, uh, real estate investing tip. Uh, it's called two minutes for the W2 capitalist. Um, so the way that I'm ending those, is with our mantra and it's earn, invest, repeat. So I'll leave you with that.